Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday. So you know what we do on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool, James McCool, pay dirt underscore DFS, the co-author with me of the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. Uh, at uh, you could pick up at theoryofdfs.com and joined uh, with the with the chat as always. Right, I see. But it's a pretty pretty light day. Pretty light day in the chat. Max Cooper just joined. Oh, good morning, good morning, people in the chat. Uh, feel free to hit the thumbs up button. Give me those thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Okay, now the chat. Now the chat's going through. Okay. Uh, that Alexander Malkow says, I want to purchase the Theory of DFS course for my pops. For your pops. Can you speak to the course during today's show? Okay, well, I mean, if you watch the show each and every day, you'll know that we talk about uh, the DFS strategy, game theory, right? The numbers, how to play it like, like, it's, a, like it's a math game. So uh, if, you, if you want to know more about it, just go to theoryofdfs.com. Feel free to watch as many DFS pregame shows. Feel free to, you know, go into our Roto-Grinders Discord. It's, it's what we talk about all the time, right? Right, right, James? 15 hours of me and you talking about everything you'll possibly need to know, the, the concepts that separate the average players from, uh, from, the, from the great players. But understanding that the great players uh, don't, don't, especially in GPP, uh, don't win every week. And uh, in GPP, I, did, I, I, didn't, I didn't lose all my money, but uh, cash made up for it. So I, I had a good week cash-wise uh, because uh, I, I decided that Jeff Wilson Jr. was a priority in cash. There we go. There we go. Jeff Wilson Jr., the, the hero. Um, I had I had an okay week. I lost like 50 bucks. Um, I, I actually... You, you cashed one. You got one lineup, right? I see this 161.78 lineup in the power suite. Pretty good one. Pretty good one. Um, overall, I mean, it was... I think that the week was pretty easy to break down. Like, I had Buffalo and Arizona pretty far above everybody else in terms of like GPP stacks. Um, I even had Baltimore as the fifth best stack on the slate, which is hilarious, even with Tyler Huntley. But uh, overall, I mean, cash was, was pretty easy this week as well. Right. Like I'm trying to, it wasn't that, it wasn't that easy. I think, I think you had to make some choices like my aggregate. Like I, I played in DK cash uh, in fan, in FanDuel cash. I played a very, uh, my, my, I, I played, I think I've literally played my aggregate. Yeah, yeah. So I played Murray Robinson, Elliott Parker, Johnson, Adams, Gazicki, Wilson Jr. in the Cowboys defense. Okay. And that's what I did on FanDuel. So I I, I did well on FanDuel. But yeah, on drafting. I, I think the, the cash score that I came up with, Devontae Parker, James Robinson, Devontae Adams, Christian Kirk, Tua Tagliova, and Deontay Johnson. That That's what I would have had in, in cash as a break. And then like, I don't know. I, I probably would have gone with Jeff Wilson. I'm like going to look at where I had ownership. I would have wanted Debo Samuel. I don't think I could have afforded him. It probably would have been Miles My- Gaskin. I think that one made sense. Probably would have been. I don't think I could have afforded Stefan Diggs, but Jeff Wilson, Brandon Cooks, and Miles Gaskin would have been there as well. Okay. Because my aggregate uh, had Amon Ross St. Brown. Which, which he came up well in my aggregate. I mean, I played him in GPP. I played him with my, my Kyler Murray stacks. I played, uh, I played Reynolds. Yeah, you could have played either, but I mean, you could have, I mean, they both, yeah, you could play golf, fine. right? It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is that like for cash games, like when people say like ownership in cash games, mm-hmm. like doesn't matter. Oh, just build the best lineup and it doesn't matter. I don't necessarily agree with that. Depending on if you have to choose between multiple lineups that are within a point or so of projection, I lean more towards playing the construction that has the most ownership, right? James, a lot of times you optimize by trying to optimize for ownership rather yeah. than fantasy points. That's exactly and, what I do. Yeah. Right. So I look at this lineup and I go, who is going to be popular that at least projects well? And that typically the guys that are going to be popular project well enough, but they maybe one point lower in my aggregate versus versus the field, but the field is just going to play them anyway. Uh, I'd, I'd rather not sacrifice that 
I'd rather sacrifice the point to gain the ownership. I knew Gabriel Gabriel Davis was going to be chalk in cash. Yeah. Right. So I look at my my thing here and I go, no one's playing St. Brown in cash. I know that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Beasley probably not either. They're going to play Davis instead of Beasley. So what I'll do is that I'll look at this and I'll go, okay, even though this is the highest median projected lineup, if I build a hundred lineups, the top one to the top hundred is like two points. Yeah. So it's like, it, now it just comes down to like, which one do I want to play? Okay. Now, if, if I'm going to play a million slates, like I don't mind just playing the top optimal in my aggregate and just waiting till the end of my life and then showing a profit at the end. But if you're going to deviate, I'm going to deviate based on ownership and based on standard deviation. Yeah. So the standard, devi- I, I want players that have a, have a tighter range of outcomes than a wider range of outcomes. So like, for instance, here, I look at this and I go, okay, well, I'm going to play Gabriel Davis in whatever lineup I play because I know he's going to be popular, right? I know Devontae Parker is going to be popular. So these are, this is a two cheap wide receiver build. I know Robinson's going to fit into every lineup anyway, but I'm just going to plug him in there. Then I press optimize. And then I get this lineup. So I get a Murray, Gaskin, Cook. I get Cooks here, Gazicki Adams, Bills defense. Now I know the Bills defense is also going to be the most owned defense. So I'm going to click them in. Okay. Now I look at this lineup and I go, not bad, but I'm never a big fan of playing Brandon Cooks. With Davis Mills throwing the ball. What I what I, I try to avoid in cash games is playing players from bad teams. Yeah. It's like Michael Carter projected decently, Brandon Cooks projected decently. And it's like, do I want to live and die on a hill where I'm playing a Texan or a Jet? Right. No. I mean, I'll no problem in GPP. So I look at this lineup and go, I will, I, I, I really don't want to play Cooks. Right. Is there a way for me not to play Cooks? I'll X him out and then I'll run it again. Okay, then I get the lineup that I played. Yeah. Murray, Robinson, Gaskin, Davis, Parker, Deontay Johnson, George Kittle, Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah. Okay. Now, I typically don't want to pay up that much for tight end. And uh, I don't have Devontae Adams in here. But like, I don't mind that that much because I'm just getting everyone that that I, that I want. I'm not scared of Gazicki. And also, once I start plugging in Gazicki, I got three Dolphins in my line. Yeah. Is that, is that, a, is that, a, is that a, uh, I don't know. Do I want to rely on my entire slate on the dolphins? Maybe not, but I look at this lineup and I go, okay, I'm getting pretty much like 80% of the 49ers attack who have a 28 total against the, against the Atlanta. Deontay Johnson's going to be popular, going to be like 40 plus percent owned. And he's a target monster. So like, okay, I don't mind that. Gaskin, I don't care that much about. Yeah. Like Gaskin and Wilson, it's like, what do I do at the running back positions? This seemed like a slate where I'd rather just play two running backs. So what I was considering at lock, right before lock, was do I play double tight end? Do I play Gazicki over Wilson? Because I knew Gazicki was going to be popular also and Kittle would be less popular. But looking at this, at my projections, Wilson was projected... Uh, for a, almost a point higher than Gazicki, and uh, it avoided me having three dolphins in my life. I could have also gone down from Murray to Tua. Yeah, like if I go down from Murray to Tua, where where is he? Where where did he go? Did I already exclude him? Yeah. Oh, he's not even in here. Okay, let's there go. Right. Can I get the little glitch over here? If I put in Tua, I believe I get up to Devontae Adams. Yeah, I think you go up to Devontae Adams from Deontay Johnson. I still have more money even for that. Okay, so if I click here, if I play Tua instead, right? Yeah, there's Christian Kirk. Yeah. Right, Christian Kirk, Davis, Parker, Kirk, Adams. So I don't have I don't, don't have Deontay Johnson in my lineup, but I still have like the, now I, I, still, I still have three Miami players. Right. And then if I play Josh Allen, who's 200 more expensive, obviously I go down from the Bills to the Jaguars defense if I wanted to. But then I get Gazicki Adams and I leave six, seven, six hundred on the table and I have Kirk in here. Right. But I looked at this from a touch perspective. I believe that this lineup, not not considering whether or not Duke Johnson was actually going to be the lead running back for the Dolphins yesterday. 
I believe this lineup, I jammed in the most amount of touches as well as played the highest on players. The guy that if I had a choice, I wouldn't have played Gabriel. I thought Gabriel Davis was the, 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 the shakiest part of this roster. I think like that, if I had a choice not to play Gabriel Davis, I would have in a vacuum other than the fact that he was like 56% owned in cash. Yeah. Right. Adams was 70 and, and, and my hundred dollar double up was 72% owned in cash. And then you probably think, well, why don't you want to play a 72% owned player in cash? Well, he's 8,900. Like, like the cheap guy is the guy that I have to worry about. Right. The D the, truthfully, the defense I have to worry about. Right. The high variance players. I want, I want in cash games, typically, given a choice and the lineups aren't are, are fairly similar to one another. I'd rather eat the variant, the high variance play chalk and fade that in, in GPP. Because the high variant, like Gabriel Davis putting up 25 points yesterday, me not having him at 3,700 is much different than Devontae Adams putting up 35 at 8,900. Right. I can make that up. I can't make up Davis or Parker. Right. So looking at this, it's like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to block with Dave. His upside at his price, I can't find anywhere else. He could have easily just had a game that was three for 20. But that I, I, I don't lose because of that because so much of the field has it. Right. Devontae Adams, if he, if he only puts up 16 points, I can win in a million different ways, right, with all these types of players. So, I mean, I know we don't talk about cash that much on this show, but it's like I played a lineup that was nowhere near the top optimal based on my aggregate in the top 50. But the thought process behind who do you choose? Like I looked at my FanDuel lineup and said, it's exactly who I want to play. I mean, I'm able to get everyone in. I'd love the only thing I, w- I wanted to play Kittle instead of Gazicki, but there was really no way for me to do it while still maintaining all, all, all the players that I needed to have. Like I needed to have Robinson. I needed to Wilson on FanDuel much easier to play. I just looked at this lineup and said, I got everyone other than I, like the only person that could burn me would be Kittle and he's an expensive player. So I'm not, I'm not, and he's at tight end. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm rarely going to get burned in cash by an expensive tight end. So that, that was my, that was my cash process, but obviously me prioritizing Davis and Parker and cash didn't have much in GPP. And that, and that, that didn't do me very well when the cheap shock receivers get there. I'm typically not going to have, yeah, Kirk got there also, even though I had Murray stacks, uh, like I played uh, James, when I played Davis, I only played him with Allen. Mm-hmm. I only played Parker with Tua and I only played Kirk with Murray. So I think I may have played one lineup with, without, I played like a Kirk St. Brown secondary stack, but like my line, my, I built 20 lineups and uh, obviously I had them in all single entry stuff, but I threw them in the, the Millie or 18 lineups, I guess. And uh, not many did that well. I mean, I had some real duds. I had uh, Ben Roethlisberger, right? I'd rather it be this way. I'd rather look at a lineup and be like, yeah, this lineup is like barely going to score 70 points. Mm-hmm. rather than have a whole bunch of lineups that are sitting at like 110 and off the cash line, yeah, right? Yeah. Right in the middle. So yeah, I played a, I played a bunch of like Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb type of one-offs, T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase. I played a bunch of Devonta Freeman. That didn't work out even though the Ravens did well, but Huntley did work the passing and right. I mean, he was, he was Lamar Jackson pretty much yesterday, but, uh, but yeah, so my GPPs, uh, not so hot. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining about my decisions. It's just that when I'm not playing Davis or Parker or Kirk really as one-offs, mm-hmm. like where, like my one-offs, like Jerry Judy, zero, like that didn't like, that got me nothing. Yeah. Right. But I'm looking here like Murray, Ertz, Kirk, St. Brown. Great. But then Amari Cooper sitting here with two points. Yeah. Right. T Higgins, four points. Like, like I'm going off the board. I mean, 9% Cooper, it's 6% Higgins. When I was looking for those single-digit type of one-offs. So here, here's a two-a lineup that I played Parker and Gazicki, but I got different by playing Zeke and Crowder in the line. Like Crowder is a run back and playing Devonta Freeman at 4.9% owned. Yeah. But like they, they, they didn't get there. I can't believe Debo was 20% owned. I'm so tired of Debo. 
I mean, he didn't really get there. 18.9 isn't really he no, got points. He, he took another one of my touchdowns from Jeff Wilson. And he it was a regular running play. It wasn't even like one of these like reverses or anything. Oh. It was literally just a counter, just like Debo's lined up as a running back and he runs just in between the guard and the, the tackle. And it's like, okay, they, I guess they're just running Debo as a running back. Running. He has seven rushing touchdowns on the air. Is that the most rushing touchdown for a wide receiver ever in a season? It's it's got to be close. I don't I don't understand. Like I I keep saying to myself, and I said it yesterday in the Discord. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna prioritize Jeff Wilson Jr. because like he's getting the usage. He's getting like plenty of touches. It's still the best running team in the NFL. Like they're a big favorite over a bad team. Like I'm just gonna keep playing Jeff Wilson Jr. until he pays off. Uh, and then I said, and he was lower owned than I thought. I mean, because yeah. people got. People were scared of Debo and they came more people played more people played Michael Carter. Yeah. Oh, he was 27% owned in the power suite. Weird. The Jets had a 16 point implied. That's total. what I said. I was like, San even, Francisco had a 28 point implied total. Even if you give him a 70, 70 split of the rushing yards and touchdowns and like a 10, 10 split of the receiving work, which like he doesn't even get receiving work when Zach Wilson is playing QB. He's only projected for like 10 points or something. Because they have a they have a sixteen point total. What do you want from a running back in that spot? It was weird. Um, Did you only have him for ten point ten point? I think I don't know. Let me go check. Let me take a look. It was low. It was really low. Oh, I got rid of Carter and Harris here. Oh yeah, I, I have him for twelve. Let me let me let me take a look. Twelve? Yeah, I had him at thirteen point seven seven. Okay, yeah, in the aggregate. It was, but it was still, I mean, it's still like he. His salary adjusted value was plus 1.6. I mean, like, I just, uh, his ceiling is non-existent. I mean, like, just like. I the, thought, I the, thought you, we, go for it. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, well, I'm just highlighting the fact, like, well, why, why would you rather play Devonta Freeman and not play Michael Carter, even though Devonta Freeman doesn't, is, is lower projected. Like I had Devonta Freeman at 12.59 at 5,500. Well, well, with Huntley in, Baltimore is more likely to to run the ball or dump off the ball. I mean, in general, uh, running back fantasy performance ceilings are highly correlated with the, the implied team total of the teams. And the spread. And the, yeah, but even just the, the team total, because ceilings for running backs typically come from touchdowns. Yep. And a team with the higher implied team total is more likely going to be into scoring positions inside the 10 multiple times per game rather than the Jets. Or like people play uh, David Johnson. And I'm like, I ain't playing a Texans running back, right? Like I, I, I played like two liners with Barkley and I didn't even want to do that, right? But he sometimes lines up at wide receiver. So I don't mind that as much. Craig Reynolds got there. I mean, who knows? I mean, that game was just flipped on its head. I, I had a Craig Reynolds lineup. I, I think it was sharp yesterday to play. I didn't to play Devin Singletary when Moss was inactive. That was, yeah, that was an interesting thought. I, I hate the Buffalo running back carousel. And I just. Well, that's the whole point. Like that. It, it's not just the team total. It's also like, well, they're splitting it four different ways and who knows yeah. what's going to happen. That's a different story. But when in doubt, I lean towards running backs that are on favored sides that are more likely to get touched. So I, I look at, I look at Jeff Wilson and go, why? Like, that's why Najee Harris really did not project that well. I mean, the, the slate for running back was, was pretty bad outside I, of James Robinson. I have never seen my projection so low on running backs ever. Like I, I was pretty shocked when I saw what the projections were coming up for running backs I didn't have a single running back projected over 16 fantasy points. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I have, I have a couple. I have three. Yeah. Three. Yeah. I, like I said, I was shocked. Like I was, I was blown away. I had Javante Williams as my top overall running back. Javante. Yeah. Why? Weird. I, it's just a weird. Uh, were you giving him a more of a split with, with even with Gordon in? Uh, I mean, I've had him, him and Gordon have been like, Gordon has been somewhere around like 50 to 55% of the rushing work and 40 to 45% of the rushing touchdowns. 
And then uh, Javante Williams ended up, he's usually around a 40-40 split, something like that. You got to give a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but his his touchdown usage, his his receiving usage, like he's looked good over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but it, what did it, you have his projection at? I think I had it at like 16. Oh, 14 for me. Okay. You didn't even play him in any of your lineups. Well, no, because I didn't want to play. I'm not going to play like that. My, my strategy this week was basically I want to be paying down at running back and mostly avoiding the chalk. That was because I, when, when I see projections like these from running backs, like in my model, it's like, okay, well, if I think that every single running back is going to suck on the slate, I just don't want to eat bad chalk. I was fine with James Robinson. I had James Robinson projected pretty well. Um, so I did have him in one lineup, but like I had Craig Reynolds, I had um, Jeff Wilson Jr. I had Cordell Patterson. Mm-hmm. Like I, I pretty much just tried to avoid what I considered to be terrible chalk across the board. Um, you know, it didn't not- seem like outside of Robinson, there really wasn't like chalk, chalk card. I mean, Carter. Carter in the power sweep was 24.79% owned. I was pretty shocked by that. Well, you played I, him in one lineup. I had him at 16%. I was okay at 16%, but 25% now. Well, look at Gabe Davis. He was 25% owned in the power sweep also. Yeah, I didn't have Gabe Davis projected that high either. What did you have? What did you have Davis at? Well, no, I mean like in terms of ownership. I had him, I had him at uh I had him for a projection of 13, but only at 15% ownership. Nah, no, nah, he was gonna be 20 plus. Yeah, that 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 was easy. Well, yeah, and, and like I figured that he was going to be high owned, but like I don't usually like to go in and touch the back end of like the the ownership algorithms. So like when I see fifteen, obviously you and I look at that and we're like, okay, yeah, I, I know that he's going to be higher owned than that. Just like yeah. Parker, like I knew like Parker is going to be like ridiculous. Yeah, thirty four percent owned in the million, the million, thirty four percent owned like. That that's why I'm not playing him outside of a two stack. Like I just like I'm, I'm he burns me, he burns me. Like do, we, do I have a do I have an Allen lineup here? What was? Let's see. Let me go through. Allen, D- Dave. Oh, Davis was eighteen point nine eight in the millimaker. Okay, so my projection wasn't that far off. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that far. But Davis was obviously higher owned in the higher stakes. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you and I have to think a little bit differently about the ownership stuff when we do play like the higher stuff than. You have right, well, that's why I looked at the Davis ownership. It's like, like, yeah, 18 in the milli, but 25 in the powers. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not going to play a one-off like that. Like yeah, for that, I, I'll up when, when, when there's other guys, when I, I play, I play, you know who I played a bunch of Albert Wilson. I don't hate that at all. I think that's a good decision. That was smart. I mean, Devontae other than the fact that, that, that Parker got the touchdown. <laughs> But I figure I well, the, the thing is that I figured that Wilson did not project poorly, didn't project great, but with Gaskin, with Gaskin and Parker and Gazicki being jockey enough, mm-hmm. it's like how, how how do the how do the Dolphins get there? Who puts up the ceiling? Like how about the slot the little slot receiver, Albert Wilson? I didn't realize that it was Duke Johnson season. <laughs> Finally, people have been asking for it seemingly for three or four years. They got it, and and he was. I think in the milli he was zero point one percent owned, like a like a legend. Yeah, it, like it he was, wasn't in the winning lineup or anything. It was a it was a really. I, I think that like I was saying at the beginning of this, like I think that it was a pretty like kind of telegraphed week. I did kind of the same thing where a couple of weeks back we had Tampa Bay and Buffalo like as the marquee game on the slate, and I kind of like. In that week, I just kind of forced in Tampa Bay and Buffalo players in every in all three of my lineups. Um, I did kind of a, the same thing this week with Buffalo and Arizona, because like every other game was just so trash. We didn't we had two games above a forty five over under, right? No games above a fifty, and no like, games above forty eight. It, insane this week and that's that's why of course the projections that i had for running backs and for wide receivers were like way low was because like the over-unders for vegas were just terrible but buffalo and arizona were the only teams that projected well that had good value like no deandre hopkins gives christian kirk major green a significant boost um buffalo is buffalo 
after that, I guess you probably could have looked at Green Bay. I had a Pittsburgh lineup because mostly because of Deontay Johnson and because um, Pittsburgh is so pass heavy in the red zone. But then after that, it's like, I'm not playing San Francisco stacks. And I think it's silly that anybody has been. Uh, I'm not touching Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, Tennessee, Carolina, New York Jets, Denver, Giants. I was okay with a Dallas stack, but they ended up not projecting well anyway. I was okay. I, pl- I played them regardless. I didn't mind Dallas. Feeling. I didn't mind Dallas. I, I mean, they, they do have the capacity to end up getting there. But the thing with Dallas, and this year especially, is that if they haven't needed to put their foot on the gas, they're just not going to. I was hoping that the game was competitive. You were hoping it was competitive with Mike the Net Glennon at QB for the Giants? Who knows? Oh, bro, that's that's a bad business decision, I think. I like. Who knows? Was, it was it was such a low scoring, so low scoring totals that do I need fifty a fifty to thirty five game? No, I did just like just give me give me four Dak touchdowns and then then they I mean like I get it no. right I mean it it, it wasn't sacrifice like the opportunity cost on stacks this week was not like dramatic. You wanted to I, play I, off the board stuff. I played Ben Roethlisberger for crying out loud. So did I. Um, okay, so that it. so don't don't make don't, oh my god know, like the cowboys that with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. My my horrible, here, but my but Ben Roethlisberger and John Claypool and like my point here was not that Dallas would not be able to put up points. My my point of saying it was a bad business decision was that I didn't think that it would be competitive at all. That that was the point that I was trying to make there. And I said it on stream and I said it on the video um that morning that. I didn't, I didn't think that you really needed to, if you were not game stacking Buffalo or Arizona, I don't think you needed to do game stacks this week. I wouldn't have prioritized them. If I had played Dallas, I'm not playing anybody from the Giants. If I had played Cincinnati, I'm not playing anybody from Denver. Like if I play, there, there were multiple stacks where like, I just didn't think that you needed to play anybody back. Well, you didn't have to play anyone back from Buffalo, even though I played DJ Moore, because I thought DJ Moore was a good play. Yeah, and I played DJ Moore as well. I thought that he was okay because he's been getting like eight, nine, ten targets since Cam Newton came back. That's fine, but like, I think. Yeah, but the either... Jets, like, like I, 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 the, the, the fact that I'm like, okay, the only reason I played a Crowder is because my like playing Tua plus Gazicki plus Parker was just such a popular combination that you needed to get different with it. Right. That it's like, how do I get different? Do I get different with a one off, or do I get different if I'm going to play a five K level receiver? Well, why don't I just play Crowder and just hope this game is, is much more competitive, especially since Michael Carter was going to be pot. Like I would think, think that more people are going to play Carter as the run back. So cool. it's like, let me play Crowder. Okay, done. You know, like I, uh, uh, I didn't play Reynolds because I just thought Amon Ross St. Brown was going to be low enough owned. He projected mm-hmm. too well. And I'm just like, all my Murray stacks are basically Murray Kirk Brown. Like, and, and Murray, I mean, dude, what's, what's the coaching in the NFL? Dude, I'm I'm annoyed about it. Is is insane. Like the Cardinals lost that game. Like it it all came down kicking those two field goals. It comes down people people don't question like oh the Cardinals that that they they crapped the bed. It's like no no they could have. It's it's not a difference of whether or not they could have won the game. I I think how I put it is that a lot of these coaching decisions are based around uh obviously based around and being able to justify them to mm-hmm. a dumb fan base uh it doesn't matter if you if you lose uh 30 to 12 or 30 to 28 so it's like but it would be much better to put yourself in position to be in 30 to 28 with 45 seconds left to go in the clock than uh benching your starting quarterback because you're three touchdowns behind regardless and you've wasted so much time because you came down the field and on the three yard line kicking field goals. Yeah. Right. Like, like, and, and then you get like Staley for the chargers who, I mean, I see, I, whenever I see him talk, I'm like, this, this is, this is, this is, this is a good coach. Yeah. Right. They came out, they did the the correct things to increase their win probability went like Oh, for four on them. And now he's like, well, why did you decide to do those things? It's like, well, cause that helped that, I'm going to do whatever it takes to increase the chance of winning. I also saw, an, a, a, not to go on a rant, that 
I mean, we talk about the commentators being idiots also. When when it's fourth and one on the on your on your opposing 40 yard line, and Pete and they say, and the commentator goes, they're gonna take a gamble. Like, dude, fourth and one is has like like a, a gain probability of like 80%. Like that, and 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 they're on the opposing side of the field. When they're gonna instead of trying to attempt a 57-yard field goal, that a 57-yard field goal has less likelihood of of converting than a fourth and one. Yet they talk about, oh, I can't believe they're not getting taken. Or when they go down to it's not they're on the, the six-yard line and it's fourth and six. And it's like, I don't know why they're not taking the points. It's like because you because they have more of a chance of win. How, how what's the what's the completion percent conversion percentage of fourth and six from the for the fourth and goal from the six yard line well it's over 50 percent so would you rather get over 50 percent get seven points or would you rather 96 percent of the time get three points and the worst case scenario is you you don't get the touchdown and the other team has the ball with 94 yards to go right right and most likely i would say 60 to 70% of the time, you'll get the ball back without them scoring at all. So like, once you combine these things together, like th- these decisions should almost be obvious. And then we have Harbaugh, like the, the whole thing with the Ravens, with the not going for two and then going for two, like how, James, you know, it frustrates me so much. How do people not get this? How do, how do people not just get met? Like, like I, I, I saw like, why don't we just call analytics math? Right. Like, it's like, oh, the, if you, if you were to say, oh, I, I did it because of addition. Like, it's just addition. It's not, it's not this fancy. They put it into a black box and it comes out. Oh, go for it. It's like, no, it's simply, a, how do you want to win the game? Well, you're going to have to, you're going to get it. You have to get a touchdown, a two point conversion and an extra point. The order in which you do that really does not matter. But you'd rather know if you need to go for two at the end before than after. Then be put in a situation like they were where they could have kicked it to tie or gone for it to win. Well, if you if you converted the, the two-point conversion first, you would have kicked the extra point to win the game. Right, that would have been an easy decision at the end. If you miss the two-point conversion first, you need to go for the two-point conversion anyway to tie the game. So, like, which in which progression do you have a higher win probability? Going for two the first time, and then just kicking the extra point because you're going to still need another touchdown regardless. Like, it just it boggles my mind when the team when when they're down the the two touchdowns like and the commentators are like why are they going for two it's like it comes back to that same point of like like that well they want to keep it within a one score game it doesn't matter if you lose the game by 50 points or two points it doesn't matter right right there's no goal differential right in 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 football so it's like just do whatever the it, it has the higher win probably how, how do people not get this by by now James, like, and this happens on Twitter all the time, right? Obviously, we, we follow smart people, so it's mostly the smart people yelling at idiots. Yeah. But I, re- I see some of the comments, and I go, it's addition. It would not, t- it's, it's literally addition. It's not hard. It's just, it, what it is, is it's, uh, it's playing not to lose, right? Instead of playing to win, that's the adage where, coaches and commentators and like these old heads in the nfl because the nfl is basically all old heads outside of like seven people in the and the tv broadcasters yeah it's it's all terrible um and all of them are basically like oh well if you do this then you know it's it looks worse if it doesn't work and it's like that's only because you're dealing with idiots who think that it looks worse like you you have to play to win the the thing that frustrates me the most is when a team is playing like the chiefs or the bucks and they get down within the 10 and they kick a field goal right you're not going to beat them that way because these are the teams that are going to go for it all the time you think that you're going to beat the chiefs or the bucks with field goals 
most of the time, like the Chiefs of the Bucks are going to hang 30 on you. Like most games, most games, Tom Brady is going to throw for five touchdowns and you want to take one of your few opportunities in the red zone to kick a field goal and get half the points that he's going to get after he gets the ball back. And worse, if you miss that field goal, you're screwed. Like they're just going to eat you alive. Uh, the, the, the way that I see it, I think that any team that is willing to do whatever it takes to score the most points, not just score some points, but like the most possible points, not more than your opponent, like literally as many points you can possibly score. Those are the teams that are going to continue to do well for the next five years. And any team like we see it with the Broncos, we see it with the, uh, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, right? We see it with the Jets. We see it with the Giants, like these teams that just have this, oh, well, we, we just want to try to lose gracefully if we're going to lose. Like, no, dude, it, it doesn't matter. You don't get brownie points. For they, want to, they want to be able to have a justifiable loss. Right, but the, the thing- Rather, is, than, win, that, rather than, than increase their chance of winning. If people were smart, then the justifiable loss would be going for two every single time if you're right. down by 20. That's a justifiable loss. At least you- Hunting their, 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 their teams. When, when, the, when, the Car- when the Cardinals- they're down by 21 and they kick a field goal. And I'm just like, what? It's it's the four minutes to go in the third in, in the third quarter. I mean, we're not talking about early in the game. Like, dude, you may only have you you need three scores to win, and you you may only have three possessions, and this is one of them. And now you put yourself in the position to need three scores. And like it's the freaking lions, dude. You're telling me that you with Kyler Murray and with like a good offense and a smart coach and like you're supposed to be one of the best teams in the NFL, you're telling me that you don't think you can score on the Lions so you're going to kick a field goal? That That's your strategy here. Go from 21 points down to 18 points down. What did that do for you? Awesome. That's still a three Nothing. Still Nothing. Three. But it's very But it's very similar. To like it like in basketball, I mean take take a look at the the what what the teams are doing in basketball now. Like it seems like like mo- most of the teams get it now. Like you don't see teams taking elbow jumpers anymore, right? Like like every everyone is coming close to playing like the Rockets. Yep. Right. It's just like either it's going to be it, even all our shots are going to be within six feet of the basket or within or twenty one feet of the basket. Right. It's going to be. Either or, nothing in between because the 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 the, the field goal rates. You either want a ninety plus percent field goal rate for two points, or you want a forty percent field goal rate for three points. But there's no point in having a forty eight percent field goal rate for two points by just moving up three or four feet. So like all those types of mid range jumpers or whatever are like God. But you don't. You the thing is, is that when when you watch the broadcasts and everything, and when you you know, see, like no one, no one talks about like why are they going for too many three pointers? Like that's never is. Have you ever heard that be a talking point in the NBA? Actually, yeah, I saw somebody write an article about how Steph Curry ruined basketball because people take too many threes now. Maybe uh, if you want to say ruined from an entertainment, ruined from something not related to winning. So there's one there thing. Is, like there is a little bit of an argument that I've seen a couple people make. And it's, it's a dumb argument. It's not even an argument. It's just a stupid statement. But like people say, oh, well, uh, if you take all these threes and you don't make them, then what happens? You're going to lose the game. It's like. The same thing if you don't make the two points. Point, man. <laughs> that's not the point. It's, and it's one of the reasons why we see in the NBA, we have so many more blowouts now. And it's because people are maximizing their, their shot chances and their shot selection and stuff like that which is good. The blowouts are not the problem in the NBA. Like if people want to complain and be like, oh, well, the games are less exciting. It's like, they're, they don't care. They don't care. They just want to win the game. Every single NBA game in history has come down to the last five minutes. Why do you watch the entire game anyway? Like outside of that, I would almost rather have a team blow out another team by 21 or like 26 or whatever before the fourth quarter. And then I don't even have to worry about the last five minutes anymore. Now the game is already over. So that's fine. I'd rather watch, I'd rather watch that than watch an 86 to 80 game. That's played at a, a snail's pace. 
Right. With, 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 with more than half the plays being post-ups. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like the, the people who are like purists of, of any sport, the people who are purists of any sport are the worst. So they're just like, oh, well, this isn't the way the sport should be played. It's like, no, that's because you're old and decrepit and you don't think that fun things are fun. It's because you think that everything is terrible and you need to go sit down in your rocker. Like it's just old people being old people and purest fans being the worst. That's all it is. Like, but the thing I don't get about the NFL is that the, that the correct things to do are actually more entertaining and the product sucks so much as it is that I'd much like who, who shows up for a game and says, I, I, I hope to, I hope to see my both teams punt on their own 42 yard line with on fourth and four. Like who, who shows up for that? And they take the team that takes the delay of game penalty. So they get more of an angle to punt. If you're taking penalties in order to get a better angle on the punt, you probably should have gone for it. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like who shows up what you want. Any, any kid that plays like Madden, right? If you, if, you, if two, two kids are playing Madden, no one punts. Like no one wants to, that no one goes into a game going, Go, I'm going to punt on the fourth and one so I can pin my opponent. No, they fake punts, people going for it, fourth and 11 on their own, on their own 10 yard line. It doesn't matter. Like that may be a mistake, but, but because it's more people, the kids do it because it's more fun. When people play video games, they want to play for fun. And you'd figure that in the NFL, why don't, like, if they just, they just, just eliminate extra points. You want to know. You you ask who goes to a game and it's just like yeah punts and field goals and run it and running plays. You want to know who likes that kind of stuff? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll loves that. He goes to bed hard thinking about it. Like that dude is absolutely in the worst kind of games. And what, that's what, the what problem is that he's a coach. What what team did I see? What team did it yesterday? Where it was it was third and eleven. It was it was it was third and goal from the eleven. And they ran a draw play to the, th- and he got eight yards to the three. Then they called a timeout and then they kicked the field goal. And I said, like, you whoever's in charge of that sequence and events, should just like, who wants to see that? It's not only is it incorrect mathematically to do, it's also piss poor entertainment. All like, like, even just improving that, like, I why would you be against doing the right thing that is more entertaining? I can understand, like, for instance, in baseball, I get, I get the complaints. The correct way to play in baseball makes the game much less entertaining. Absolutely. Okay. So I understand if the, the if the, the, the mindset is playing optimally is just, is, is, is alienating fans because the game has become so much more binary and boring. So we don't want people to play in the optimal way to increase that. Now in the NBA, the optimal way is more exciting. Right. And the optimal way in NFL is more exciting. Yet you get, you still, you still have the people that are talking about, well, all the, you still have the, the same thing. You, I, I mean, I heard it 10 years ago and I thought that was stupid. Like, I was like, these people just don't understand math and logic. Right. Of the team, the team, all the, all the best, all the winning teams always have uh, rushed the ball more like, yeah, because, because when they're up late in the game, they're going to gonna run out the clock. Like it's, it's, it's causation versus correlation. Aren't you a grown adult? How do you not get this? <laughs> you know what we should be talking about? We should be talking about teams that have high rush rates in the fourth quarter, right? Not, not overall, like let's right. not, Let's That's at least a little talking. bit better. Yeah, let's stop talking about teams that like, oh, the best teams always have the most rushing attempts. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's talk about how many rushing attempts teams have in the fourth quarter and let's judge teams based on that, right? Because if you're rushing a lot in the fourth quarter, you likely have a lead. You likely won the first three quarters. The other team has to be passing from behind. Actually, I'm going to go look that up right now. Also, the other thing is that when they talk about rushing attempts in general, they're talking about a raw number, not a percentage. So it's like, yeah, the teams that have the most rushing attempts in a game are typically the winners because they have more plays in the game because they've they've scored a whole bunch of times. 
It's like, oh, yeah, this team ran the ball 30 times and they won. Yeah, they ran 74 plays. 44 were passes. All right. Here, here, is, here is the list. In the fourth quarter, weeks one through 14, all the yardage included, so the entire field. The team with the highest pass rate in the league is the New York Jets at 82%. Right, because they're down all the time. And then Detroit at 76, Houston, 76, Jaguars, 74, New York Giants, 73. Do we see a trend here? That's the worst team's pass. No, that, that, you know, if I was Pete Carroll, I'd look at that and go, it seems like the worst team's pass to me. (laughs) He would. He would. Uh, Right. So obviously you have to pass less. The lowest pass rate in the fourth quarter across the entire league. I'm assuming Cincinnati. Arizona. Okay. 45% pass rate overall. And that's still not that high. That's still still not that high of a rushing rate. Cleveland at 48. And so these, these two teams that are very rush heavy are very heavy rushing teams. So Cleveland 48, New England 48 pass rate, Um, Indianapolis 53. So all already like they are passing more than they're running still in fourth quarter. And then Tennessee 54%. These are all teams with winning records. Indeed. Indeed they are. And then Cincinnati, Green Bay, Philadelphia, like, but you can see, if a team has a really, really high pass rate in the fourth quarter, they probably suck. They probably suck. And that's because they're having to pass from behind and try to catch up. Like you can use some really, you don't, you don't even have to abandon the, oh, rushing teams have a winning record. Like you can keep that. Just specify now moving forward the fourth quarter. Or take it a step farther and be smart about it and say the teams with the highest pass rate in the fourth quarter are the worst teams in the league. Well, can, you, can you look up the first quarter? Yeah, I can. So look up the teams with the highest pass rate in the first quarter. I want right. to know the lowest pass. We're looking for the lowest pass rate in the first quarter. Okay, so I'm only going to include between the 20s because I want to take out the red zone here. Okay. Uh, the team with the lowest pass rate in the first quarter is New England, 48%. Okay. And then Detroit. They're a losing, a losing team. Carolina, losing team. Losing Denver, team. Losing team. Losing and team. San Francisco, but they are the best rushing team in the league. league like they, yes. they are exceptional at, at rushing. And then Philadelphia. And then Houston, losing team. Losing team. Washington, losing team. Losing Chicago, team. losing team. And then Dallas. Uh Dallas is, has a very good running game. Right. You're going to see, you're going to see, you know, like the Browns, mixed, you're going to see things like that mixed in, but you're going to see so, predominant uh, uh, in the first, if you're rushing the ball a lot in the first quarter, it doesn't, it doesn't connotate that you're a winning, like it doesn't connotate you're a winning team. Right. And actually there's more losing teams that are running too much in the first quarter. Cause what ends up happening is that when the lions face a better team, they rush the ball, end up getting to the 28-yard line, kick a field goal, and then the other team comes back and gets a touchdown, right? And then they're, oh, but they're down 7-3, to three, so they continue to rush the ball more and then end up punting, and now they're down 14-3. to three, But it's the second quarter. We can come right. back from 11. So we'll run the ball on second and 10 for no reason, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, so we, so we can set up a third and seven because we all know that third and seven and third and 10 are so dramatically different situations to be in. And then if we're the Steelers and we're on third and seven, we're going to make sure to throw a five-yard pass. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. <laughs> and then punt on fourth and two from the opposing 45-yard line. And you wonder why you're losing games. To close out this segment, in the first quarter, the highest pass rates, number one, Arizona makes sense. Number two, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, Buffalo. Chargers. Chargers, yeah. Number four, Miami. Miami has been high pass rate all year, so kudos to them. And then Kansas City. And then Las Vegas, who looked good at start. And then the Rams. And then Cincinnati. And then Buffalo. And then the Giants. Giants should be a better team. Uh, But they're, they're not. And then Cleveland. At 64%. If it's also Even Daniel Cleveland. Jones throwing the ball. Daniel, it, it's a lot of passing in the first quarter because he's throwing it to the other team. <laughs> but even Cleveland, I mean, this is one of the reasons why Cleveland has a decent identity here. Cleveland overall has, a, has only a 57% pass rate overall. Um, it's one of the lowest in the league. But in the first quarter, 
they are still one of like the top 10 teams in pass rate because what they do is they pass, set up tempo, and then start running after they've established themselves in the game. They understand, like Stefanski's not an idiot. If they, ha- if they had anybody but Baker Mayfield, like well, not anybody, but if they had an upgrade from Baker Mayfield, Cleveland would be like so good. Stefanski's good. They're smart. They have a great rushing game. They have a good O-line. They have a competent defense, but they have Baker Mayfield. So they're, they're just not Super Bowl contenders because Baker Mayfield is, is he's like the 20th best QB in the league. Did you see the last pass that Cam Newton threw yesterday? No, I didn't. You have to look it up. <laughs> you have to. I, I almost want to show it on the thing. No one could tell me that he didn't purposely just want to end the game. He literally just threw it to the defender. I mean, like, like this, this, not, I, I don't know. It, it, is it on Twitter? Can I find this? It, it was, it was, the, it was probably the most absurd pass I've ever seen an NFL quarterback make. Cause I, I, you, you could not convince me that he either thought that the, that the, the bills player was his receiver or he just was sick of tired of, he, they were down two scores late in the game. Like it, it was, it was, it was just like, he just threw it to the other guy. Like, I mean, there's, I, I, there's some pretty bad passes here. Not his last one yet, but. Yeah, there's this pass to Robbie Anderson that he just like throws it into the ground. I, I don't know. I, it was. Looking latest instead of top. I wonder if we can. Oh, but did you see that he ran for 71 yards yesterday? Oh, wow. He's back. He's been back. There's that GIF. Where is this throw? We're not going to find it. Oh. Well, this is 2020. Where the... Oh, I look it up somewhere. If I don't know. I'm not going to look it up on the show. I, I was watching on Red Zone, and they're just like, okay, the Tab Panthers, it's, it's like a minute left in the game. They're down by two touchdowns or whatever. And Cam Newton drops back because I'm rooting for DJ Moore for my for my Buffalo stacks. And dude, like he passed back in a complete clean pocket, just cl- cl- threw an eight like an eight yard pass, like just like whatever receiver Robbie Anderson whatever was like ten yards away, like like not even close. I mean, he under like it doesn't even look like he underthrew it. He, he looked like he had the same amount of zip that he would have if he wanted to throw it directly to the cornerback. And he just like literally, he looked him straight in the eye and just said, here you go. And then got off the field and said, okay, I guess we're done. Now. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel, so I've been a Panthers fan since Jake DeLone was QB. So I. How about Kerry Collins? Oh my God. So long. Um, it's been a rough tenure as a Panthers fan. I do have a Panthers jersey. I don't consider myself an actual fan of very many teams, but I have since I was young, like the Panthers. And this has been, last couple of years have been rough. Cause I don't even, I don't even like Christian McCaffrey all that much. I thought it was a bad draft pick to begin with. And now he's dead. So now it's just Cam Newton and the corpse of Christian McCaffrey. And what I assume to be Robbie Anderson, although you wouldn't, I would believe you if you said that it was Waterboy instead. And it's just all bad. And, uh, I don't understand how people can be like super fans and go through this and like let their emotions be dictated by these kinds of things. I don't see how people can be fans. It's hard. <laughs> it sucks. It's not fun. There's nothing fun about being a fan. And everyone was was uh, hip hip hooraying because of the, the all the postponements and like we get NFL football on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Did you see the games yesterday? This is awful. You I, wanna, I, now you want to uh, watch it and without with commercials and stoppages? What I are we saw, talking about here? I saw that it was eight games in 10 days, and I looked at Margaret, and I was like, hey, baby, guess what? There's eight NFL games. There's eight days of NFL games over the next 10 days. And she just looked at me and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> uh, people in chat wanted to know what, what, what projection you had for Huntley. Oh, for, for Huntley. I had 17.36 in my aggregate. You had what? 17.36. I had 19. Okay. So, you know, it was a great play at that point. I had him as, from a salary adjusted value standpoint, I had him as the sixth, sixth highest on the slate. Uh, From a salary adjusted standpoint, I had 
do that. The fourth. Okay. Yeah, because you're two points higher. The problem was is that I who would have pay? I mean, if you're gonna pair him with anyone, it would have been Andrews. And, and I had Andrews as the top overall projected tight end. So it makes even sense. higher than Kittle. No. Well, like the same, like exactly the same. Point two off. So I mean, I, I was fine with with Baltimore. I I wrote basically like Andrews projects very very well, and he's a little bit underpriced here. Um, and I don't think he projected for all that much ownership. Yeah, he didn't. Um, and I was fine with him, but I did give the caveat that it's like this is Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson. And uh, I understand if you want to say, oh, that projection is too high. Like I I said to myself even, and I noted it in the article, like my projection for Jeff Wilson is low. But like, I know that I'm under projecting him. So I am going to like ride him, even though the projection says that he's only projected for like 11 points. Like I want to take another shot on him because the usage is there. It just hasn't materialized yet. So there were a couple. I mean, I, I, I was never going to play Huntley. I wasn't, I was not going to play. I'm not going to, I I don't, I, in the long run, I'm not going to play stacks of teams that only have 18 point implied totals. No, I totally understand. I get it. For the Lions, right? Like, why didn't you play a golf like? Like anyone that's looking and going, why didn't I play Huntley? I'm going to say, why didn't you play golf? Because someone's going to go, well, how do you play golf? Well, I'm going to say the same thing. How do you play? I mean, right. I, I, I just look at the numbers and go, I'm looking for ceilings and I need to pair them with someone. So Huntley, Huntley, Andrews, Adams, I guess is viable. But why do I want the side? Why do I want Huntley when I, I'd rather have the Rogers side? I mean, like, you right. in general correlation wise if we took all the data from now till the past whatever forever to implied team totals dictate the highest why projections are the way they are yep. teams that score the most points run the most plays and score the most and be in the red zone to score more completions more plays more efficiency like so many people get strung up with Oh, in garbage time. Like you don't want if you're if you have a stack and they're in garbage time, that's bad for you. You want the stack that has already put up 45 points. You want the other right. team in garbage time. Like, even though you do see some receivers, like, oh, the Cole Beasley gets there because he has eight passes in the last two drives. That doesn't correlate to a ceiling outcome for a stack. Right. You want, you want if you if you have Cole Beasley, you don't want garbage time. You want Cole Beasley to have two touchdowns. Four catches, 50 yards, two touchdowns, and Josh Allen to have five passing touch. Like you so what the, who's the more problem, likely to do that? The teams that have the highest implied team total. The problem that people run into is they're like, oh, well, now my stack has garbage time. It's like, no, no, no. You don't want your quarterback to have garbage time. You want your wide receiver to have garbage time. It's fine if Cole Beasley gets there with eight catches on the last two drives. But like Hopefully you had Cole Beasley as the comeback stack to the other team that now already has 45 points, but it's the same thing. Like the, the only thing that I would add to that. And the reason why I played a Pittsburgh stack, which I still don't want to talk about, but they were implied for 1.86 passing touchdowns, which was the fifth best on the slate. Right. They have such a high pass rate in the red zone. That's the only thing that will add in context of team totals. Other than that, like, if you blindly just stacked the highest team totals on every slate and just optimized for the values outside of them, like well, every you'll, be single you'll slate, probably be profitable. Yeah. You'd be fine. You'd be fine. It, it even worked on this slate with Buffalo, with Gabriel Davis and Devontae Parker and Jeff Wilson. And like all you needed outside of that was like Mark Andrews and like fading Stefan Diggs, I guess. But I, I digress. Yeah, just play, just play teams with high totals. Don't, don't stack really terrible teams. If it usually doesn't work out. I always say, like, even if a terrible quarterback projects well, like I had Trevor Lawrence projecting pretty well this week. Right. Even if a terrible quarterback projects well, I'm like, one, a very deep GPP play. Like, if you have 20 lineups, you can have a Trevor Lawrence lineup. Two, I'm much more likely to just use his wide receivers as a secondary correlation or as a game stack correlation to the other side, because I don't want to take shots on these guys that are terrible. It just doesn't make much sense. Not, not in the state of today's game. It, you, it used to. Vomit stacks made more sense when we had running backs like Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. and David jo- When we had 9K running backs that, that 
would regularly put up 35 to 40 points. And the only way to jam both of them in is by playing a bomb instead, right? right. Like, because you still have a median expectation that is acceptable to be able to take on the leverage of the vomit stack. Like you- Right, you like if I get two ceiling, if I'm, if I'm able to play McCaffrey and peak Saquon Barkley or something like that, you know, and their median projections are like 28 each. Yeah. Right, 26 and 28. It's like, if I get a 40 out of both of them, like the only way to fit both of them in is with a cheap quarterback, a cheap tight end, and at least one cheap wide receiver. And it's like, well, can I get a median outcome out of a stack? Can I play the Lions stack and get enough? All I need now is both of my running backs to put up ceiling scores, and I'm good because the only way to do that is with some sh- pretty shitty team. And, you know, and putting putting team. up putting up three touchdowns. Like I don't need five touchdowns. I need three touchdowns. Get the right guys. But the problem is that we don't have running backs. Like we don't have guys like that anymore. We don't. There's, and that's there's, the concept in MLB behind vomit stacks is to be able to fit Aaron Judge, Carlos Stanton, and and DJ LeMahieu as like a three man, and then you also stack the Marlins. Right, and well, and also you have two ace pitchers. Like yeah. it, it used to, right? You'd, like I'm going to play Degrom and Cole in the same lineup. It's like, well, how the hell do you fit that in? With By stacking stack. the Pirates, right? <laughs> I mean, like that. That's that's the way that you do it. Yeah. Right. So it's not about the vomit stack. It's about the construction in general and the way that NFL DFS is now. We don't, there's no, there's no, I mean, even, and I don't consider Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams to even be those guys either. No. We don't have those like those 35 touch running backs with, with minus 250 anytime goals, you know, anytime right. touchdown. Like, like that also, that get 10 targets. Like, like those seasons for Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Todd Gurley, Tomlinson, if you want to go even further back, and then Sean Alexander, even. I mean, like we we just don't have those. Right. We don't have Emmett Smith and Thurman Thomas. We don't we don't have those guys anymore. Right. In fact, most likely, if you play those guys and you play them at nine K, they're going to get injured at some point in the game. Most likely, and they're going to go on IR, and then they're going to come off, and then get injured again, and then get COVID. So, right. Welcome to season long football. A lot of football talk today. Yeah, I thought this was fun. We we didn't we never do this. We never actually talk about the sport Be, because we're spreadsheet nerds, right? Because we're right, we're spreadsheet virgins as left, <laughs> right? But if you want to learn how to play the game, not the sport, game of DFS, theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player, available theoryofdfs.com. James, you're at paydirt underscore DFS, and I'm at Blender HD. And uh, sign up for Roto Grinders Premium so you could join the Blenders Game Theory channel in the Discord. We have we're, we're having Zoom calls nearly every week, group coach calls, and uh, the next one is tomorrow. So click on the link in the description. Uh, get ten dollars off your first month of Roto Grinders Premium. Join the Discord. Join the Blenders Game Theory channel, and uh, you get like private coaching in a group setting on on Zoom. So that'll be tomorrow, and then I will be back on on Thursday, right? NBA, dude, I how how does anyone? I mean, I'm I've been watching the Twitter of the, of the the news in NBA. Like, are I'm, how it, it the way this continues? How Christmas the Christmas slate is is all is all staggered games. How is that? I, I, how is that even playable? It's not. I mean, DFS NBA DFS right now is hardly playable as is. Hardly. I mean, it's play it. Understand that if if you if you want to if you want to extend your mental energy to the power of the sun, there's extensive edge that you could have in NBA. Oh, DFS. absolutely, yeah. But understand that, like it, like you're gonna you're gonna need a piss cup. You can't get up from you could like at any at any the guy that's supposed to be in because the other guy got COVID is now out for an injury three minutes before this game, and then the starting lineups aren't even correct. Because no one knows that they're signing four guys off the street the day of. You know how hard it is to build projections when half of the slate is off the G League? <laughs> half the slate wasn't even in the G League. I mean, I, I tweeted out, James, you, you, you must have saw that. It seems like I, I looked, I, I did a glance, even though I'm not playing NBA DFS until football season's over. I, I looked at the rot, like I looked at the injury report and the injury report was like 12 pages long. 
And then I looked at the active, who is active for these teams. And I swear, like, like I know I play NBA DFS, so it's not like I follow the NBA, but I know like all the, the main players for the team. I mean, cause I roster them because I'm building lineups and everything. I look through these, the roster. I'm like, like, dude, like almost half these players, I've literally, I've never seen these names before. Right. And it felt like, like playing NBA live in like franchise mode and going, I'm going to just simulate 15 seasons mm-hmm. as they create new rookies, like each in year. And then it's like, Oh, you get like, like, like the, the, the unknown guy from the beginning is like now the star. And then you have all these other people. And it's like, yeah, that that's what Jordan Nuora feels like. Right. Like, right. Like what? Like he's the guy that has all the good ratings. It's all oh yeah, because he's a thirty-six-year-old, you know, all-star. But all these other computer-generated players are here. It's like how how is it? How can you some of these teams and their rotations? How is it even possible to even come close? Well, and, and the thing is that like you put together these projections best that you can, and then the Sixers exist, and the Sixers will literally just scratch like Tyrese Maxey. It was the other day. It was like four minutes before Slate Lock. Their injury report has been out and updated multiple times. Tyrese Maxey is not on this injury report. And then he gets ruled out with a quad injury four minutes before Lock. And it's like, did he trip? Like, did he fall off the bus? Like, what, what happened to where he gets scratched? Joel Embiid has, an in, has a rib injury that is bad enough to sideline him for multiple games not on the injury report gets ruled out with a rib injury after lock. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care about our DFS teams. They don't care. They don't care. Weren't there like integrity fees that were supposed to be tacked on to these teams? Like, how is this happening? I hate it so much. I will be like, if I have NBA DFS at Payer next year, I will be surprised because I hate it. No, but that's that's the main reason why I'm not playing till till football season is done. And you, even even after then, who knows? No, after that, dude, just play League of Legends and Counter Strike. Like you don't even need NBA DFS ever again. You don't even need it. You know, I'll, I'll think about it. I mean, it's coming closer to that type of choice of like, I, dude. I've got the best projections for esports over a Pater. Just come get a sub, promise. So go go there if you want that. Sign up to Roto Grinders if you want this. But I'll I'll see I'll see you on Thursday for another edition of the DFS pregame show, answering your DFS strategy questions as always on rotogrinders.com.